Well, good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Janice M and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today is Monday. It's October 17th, 2016. Today we're reading from the big book. We're still in chapter 11, a vision for you. We're going to begin on page 156, paragraph two for context, paragraph three for comments, and then we're going to go on. Now today's readers for the 12 OA steps will gonna be Lisa B. The 12 OA traditions will be Anne Marie M. And our readers for the text today will be Amanda R, Katie F, and Judy S. Now, the reference number for yesterday, our Sunday special edition at 8.30 on October 16th, 2016, is, was, is, 9175. That's 9175, and that was a presentation entitled Living a Life of Recovery within the family, a panelist of three recovered compulsive overeaters. Okay, the OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lisa B. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. <clears throat> Excuse me. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 
Ken continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Lisa B. Uh, just a gentle reminder, please, to everybody to please press star one if you're not going to be Anne Marie M. Because that makes it, you know, less distraction for the reader. Thank you. I will now ask Anne Marie M. to please read the 12 traditions. Thanks, Janice. Can you hear me? I can hear you nice and clear. Very good. Thanks. Uh, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service or we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues; hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of. Kindly, yeah, excuse us, you know, please, we ask you, please, just start one to mute your phone. Maybe you don't realize that you're tapping to me, so just because, see, it it distracts us. Boys, thank you. We thank you for that. Okay, Emory, please, I think, whatever step tradition you were on. Yeah, 11. Thank you, Janice. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. And thank you, Anne-Marie M., and thank you all for muting your phone, those that had to. Our, this is um, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature. Then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. 
There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. Now to share, please press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a nice quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study in the big book and we're going to begin on page 156 and we're going to have the first reader start with paragraph two and that will be, please, Amanda R. Good morning, this is Amanda R. I am a recovered compulsive eater from Maine. At midnight, he came home exhausted but very happy. He has not had a drink since. As we shall see, he now means a great deal to his community, and the major liabilities of 30 years of hard drinking have been repaired in four. But life was not easy for the two friends. Plenty of difficulties presented themselves. Both saw that they must keep spiritually active. One day, they called up the head nurse of a local hospital. They explained their need and inquired if she had a first-class alcoholic prospect. So that's the reading. Um, I wanted to, to pull out an example of, of how you know keeping spiritually active has really benefited me. And um, in the last week, I... I uh one at one point I, I opened up my email and I have I have a son, he's pretty young, and his father has full custody and um and in my email there was a, a message from his father um who I shall say I have a uh, he's a somewhat of a difficult person and the email said that uh he is moving out of state with our son. And where I live, that's at least a six-hour drive. So um, I panicked for about 30 seconds. <laughs> um, and then I I prayed, you know, just telling my higher power, I trust, you know, I really trust in you. I trust you to take care of me, my son, this whole situation, no matter what happens. I trust. Um, did a quick call to my to my family to see, you know, what what might we do here and we just sort of decide to let it see if it'll blow over we let it let it go for a little bit um may change his mind if not we'll um make some other plan um however you know as you know this is a really really stressful situation for me but and I'm not what I did was you know I did some step 12 work you know carrying carrying the message. I was working on the doctor's opinion with someone and, you know, I just they were scheduled to call anyway. So half an hour later I was I was working on that. And so I'm not saying that to say like, hey look, what an awesome spiritual person I am, blah, blah, blah. It's more like look how well this works that, you know, it the step 12 work really just as it always does got my head out of 
myself, my problems, my worries, my fears. Um, and, you know, it, it's not to say that those problems aren't still there, but it sort of just gave me, I don't know, I think you call it an attitude adjustment or something. And I'm very thankful for that, and I'm learning the the longer I, I do steps 10, 11, 12, I'm just getting more and more confidence in how well those three steps work beautifully together because, you know, life is not easy for any of us. Plenty of difficulties present themselves, and so I stay spiritually active. And um, that's not just thinking pious thoughts. It's um, it's doing the deal. It's carrying the message. It's carrying, you know, practicing these principles in all my affairs. And um, that's all I have to say. I'll pass. And thank you so much, Amanda. Uh, okay, we're going to comment on paragraph three, but life was not so easy for the two friends. Who would like to be first this morning? Larry. Kim G. We have Larry. I heard Sue G. Chrissy Renata. Chrissy G. I heard Renata G. I heard Chrissy G. Did you hear Melissa? Okay, and then we'll just take Melissa's seat. And then we'll stop here, and then we'll go on afterwards. Okay. Uh, Larry Kay, good morning to you. Good morning to you, Janice. Thanks for your service. Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Let me start my timer. And we're off. Okay, so so here's, um, you know, we're reading here. You know, it's 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 in so many things, especially with – with us compulsive readers, our, our history is our greatest asset, you know, because we arrive at the doors of OA with, uh, you know, with an intensive and lengthy history of things that we do, that did not work. And to, today in OA and in recovery, you know, our history has added a, a lengthy uh, history of things that do work. So, so here are some important history we'll learn with regard to uh, to Bill D, Bill Dotson, um, and we'll get into more detail, but. Um, and this is the guy that they called down uh, uh, to the to the hospital, and um, you know um, Bill D. So basically, what they were saying is that hey, we we need to uh, you know we've had a spiritual awakening. Doctor Bob had a spiritual awakening, and uh, Bill Wilson had passed the information on to him as to how to get better, and now they were going to have to carry the message. If they wanted to stay well, they were going to have to. If they wanted to remain in fit spiritual condition, they were going to have to carry the message as well. And um, so now, you know, what happened was is uh, Bill Dotson, the man on the bed, we'll learn, um, was AA number three. And I'll just say that, you know, at his death, he had not had a drink in more than 19 years. And his date of sobriety was the date that he entered Akron City Hospital. Uh, for his last detox, which, which was June 26, 1935. And uh, two days prior to that, um, two sober alcoholics, Dr. Bob from Akron and Bill Wilson, uh, they, uh, they, 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 they um, got in touch with him at the, uh, at the hospital. And we're going to learn more about the details. But, you know, where I'll leave it is to say that, um, again, it's so important to carry this message. We can't rest on our laurels, right? We cannot rest on our laurels. And uh, we're going to find out in more detail how this goes. But um, 
for now, we just see the importance of that. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you, Larry Kay. Yes, we're going to comment on on uh, the third paragraph on page 156, and that's Sue G. Please. Did you mean Kim G? No. Oh, did Sue G? Uh, wait a minute. Maybe it was you, Kim. Nope. I, let's go with Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. They explained their need and inquired if she had a first-class alcoholic prospect. So, you know, I always remember hearing, you know, when Bill was in the hospital and he had his spiritual awakening, he didn't use the 12 steps. He used the, the he was being read a book by um, Eddie called Variety of Spiritual Experiences, Variety of Religious Experiences. And he was taught they had two qualities. One was calamity, which I think we all can identify in with. We don't come into Overeaters Anonymous because we're having a good day. But the second one was that it was fleeting, that it would leave us. And Bill came to the conclusion if he could keep recreating that spiritual experience on a daily basis, then he could keep what he had. And there's two ways that we can do that. One is we have to continue to live in 10 and 11. We have to continue to, to dig out, uncover, discover, discard those things that are blocking us from our higher power. But the biggest one is if I can help recreate it in others, then I can have it myself. And that's where their need came in. They understood that in order to keep the spiritual experience, they had to give it away. And we're told this in the book over and over and over. And we don't have to wait to step 12 in order to hear that message. We have to wait to step 12 to come to to do that. But the book is slamming home over and over again. We must do that. So I'm just going to bring out a couple places in the book. Even in the forward to the second edition where it talks about when Bill and Bob met. It It says here on page XVI, this seems to prove that one alcoholic could affect another alcoholic as no non-alcoholic could. It also indicated that strenuous work, one alcoholic with another, was vital, vital to permanent recovery. And then in, doc- in the doctor's opinion, where Dr. Silkworth is observing what these alcoholics do on XXV, it says, as part of his rehabilitation, which is Bill, Bill commenced to present his conceptions to other alcoholics, impressing upon them they must do likewise with still others. And then on page 20, so we haven't even started the steps yet, it's letting us know our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may meet their needs. And then even in the chapter working with others, the first paragraph, the first sentence in teaching us how to work with others, it says, practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with alcoholics. And the way that I like to read that as well is practical experience showed them that those that don't work with others don't stay sober. And that's my experience. You know, I was taught to keep it green, and I thought that meant that I had to remember my last drunk. I had to play the trade through. I had to, I had to sit there and listen to the war story after war story. But what that says to me now, how do I keep it green? By carrying the message. By teaching powerlessness, I'm reminded I'm powerless. By teaching you need a power, I'm, I remember I need a power. And by teaching what life is like on self-will in step three, I'm reminded what life is like on self-will, self-will for me. So their need, their need is my need. And with that, I pass. And thank you so much, 
um, Kim G. Okay, Renata G. Good morning. It's your turn. Good morning, Janice. Uh, good morning, family. This is Renata G., recovered compulsive reader, calling from Istanbul. Surprise big break from work. Very grateful to be on the line live this morning. Uh, so, you know, I can really relate to this paragraph how it is so important to keep spiritually active. You know, after moving to a different country, life started to get really, really busy, you know, trying to settle in, to adapt, new job, new place to live, new language, new everything. And programs getting distant and distant. And, uh, you know, things start to get really dark and it's really lonely because, you know, if I'm not spiritually active, then I don't have access to the higher power that can get me through anything. You know, then I'm back in self-will, which is exactly where I started, and that never worked for me. And so, you know, but then uh, when I keep spiritually active, which, you know, for me, I know in the text they're talking more about uh, step 12, but, you know, step 10, to clear the channel, and then step 11, to fill up the channel with God's will, for me, God's vision for my life, for the day, and then step 12, to carry that vision out, you know, as long as I'm doing that, then it doesn't matter what's happening, where I am, or what circumstances, you know, like the text says, what difficulties come, you know, our way, then I can continue to stay sober, stay abstinent, and, you know, participate in life, have a good and serene and peaceful life. Uh, so I just wanted to share that it doesn't matter what it is, as long as we're, you know, spiritually active, anything is possible. God is there. Thanks for letting me share our best. And thank you, Renata. Okay, Chrissy, is it Chrissy G or Chrissy C? Chrissy G. It's your turn, Chris. Thank you. I am Chrissy G. Recovered in New Jersey. I had the opportunity this morning to, to text with a mom of a 16-year-old who's uh, been hospitalized with anorexia over the weekend, and she's someone who I, I, um, I helped the mom, I helped the family get her into recovery the first time, into treatment, not recovery. There, there's, uh, there's not a lot of meetings in, in this little neck of the woods where I am, even though it's a metropolitan area, just in our particular um, county. There is it. And, and so, you know, I, I was able to, with another friend, possibly maybe, please God, start um, a meeting in the near future, um, at least plan for it. And the mom that I was, I was communicating with, it, there was just such a sense of, um, when she said, she said to me, um, you know, please hurry and get it together in time for, for my daughter. And it was, I can't even describe the feelings that I had, you know, but all of you know, and, and it, and it's in God's hands ultimately, ultimately, if, if this, if this young girl gets recovery, but that we could bring it, bring the opportunity to her is, is just beyond anything I could ever imagine 
for my life as a as a as having meaning to my life and and so that keeps me connected that that feeling that feeling that what I have to offer the world is so important it's uh life life giving life changing and I'm so grateful that I've been given that gift from other people and to pass it on i mean that's what that's what this whole little piece is about and it's the moment the moment the light bulb went on for them that they had you know they had to carry the message to keep it but that'll pass and thank you chrissy g okay melissa c it's your turn hi good morning janice good morning everyone it's melissa c recovered compulsive overeater in new york and um you know when it starts out um that you know they had their they had their problems or life was not easy for these two. Um, you know, I'm picturing for a second um, them you know calling on each other when life is not easy. You know, kind of like how we do in our fellowship. That um, when I have a problem, you know, I call on someone um, for some help. And what I don't get is um, lengthy conversation about my problem. You know, that's what I used to look for. You know, I had a problem, I had a dilemma, and then I would um, find somebody to listen and um, and be really sympathetic and tell me that I was right and everyone else's scenario was wrong. And um, that's not what's going to keep me recovered. You know, what keeps me recovered is um, working the steps of this program. And so, you know, here, life is not easy for people. And so what do they do? They go out and carry the message because nothing um, nothing seems to use my, my load as, um, as work with another compulsive over here. It really, um, when I'm stuck in my problems, um, I need to get, I need to hear your problems instead. I need, I need to get out of my problems, out of my head and, and into someone else's. And, um, you know, and so... In, in my life, this applies to everything. It applies to my program of recovery, that when I feel any uneasiness about it, um, I, I work hard with other people. I, it has to be my life. It can't just fit, you know, neatly into my pre-existing life. My recovery has to be my life because without it, I don't have one. And, you know, and I this Design for Living works in in all other areas too, you know, at, at work we have a, a stressful situation and um and if I really focus on the stress of the problem and how it affects me and all about me, the problem grows bigger. You know, but when I look around um in my building right now, we have a lot of new teachers and um and I can offer service and help to them. You know, this program taught me that. Don't be stuck in my problem. Go and help somebody else. And you know, it, it just seems like how could that make? How could that work? But it does. It really, really does. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Okay. Thank you, Melissa C. I'd like to go on and finish and get introduced to this story. So let's have Katie F. Please start with uh, paragraph four, four. She replied. Katie F. Katie? 
KDF, are you there? Did can you hear? Sorry, you I thought hear? I thought I I thought I was unmuted. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yes, no okay. problem. Good morning. This is Katie Up, a recovered compulsive overeater. She replied, "Yes, we've got a corker. He's just beaten up a couple of nurses. Goes off his head completely when he's drinking, but he's a grand chap when he's sober. Though he's been in here eight times in the last six months. Understand, he was once a well-known lawyer in town." but just now we've got him strapped down tight. Here was a prospect all right, but by the description, none too promising. The use of spiritual principles in such cases was not so well understood as it is now. But one of the friends said, put him in a private room, we'll be down. Two days later, a future fellow of Alcoholics Anonymous stared glassily at the strangers beside his bed. Who are you fellows and why this private room? I was always in a ward before. Said one of the visitors, we're giving you a treatment for alcoholism. And I um, can identify with this because I was that person in the bed. I mean, not quite so dramatic, um, but I certainly had been around for years and could not get this program. And I... Um, I'm sure that people thought she will never, uh, she will never stay abstinent. She will never, you know, stop putting the food and her excuses ahead of, um, you know, recovery. But, you know, by the grace of God, that's not my story. That wasn't the end of my story. I, I did hear it one more time and one more time. I finally was willing to do what I was told to do. And, you know, that's the thing is this is such a hopeless sounding case. And yet they had uh, the two men who went to talk to him believed in what they had um, to say. And they knew that all their requirement was um, was to share the experience, strength and hope. And, you know, this just encourages me that I, I don't ever get to say someone is too far gone. You know, I just carry this message. It's God's work that um, opens up their eyes at the right time. And even if I've said the same thing to that same person multiple times, you know, this is all I've got. This is what I do. This is what I find um, that works for me and has worked for me for, for decades. And I know that it can work for you. And I'm so grateful that we don't try to reinvent this uh, message all the time. You know, uh, the person who spoke earlier was talking about an anorexic and, you know, that's, um, that's the same kind of thing as this person they've got here, you know, someone who's been hospitalized and, and needs help. And so I'm just really grateful that, um, we have this message to share, and with that, I'll pass. And thank you so much, Katie F. Okay, we're going to open up the meeting, and we're going to um, focus on, cha- on um, page 156, paragraph 4, 5, and the next two paragraphs on the next page. So who would like to be first? Julia R. Paula Julia D. Julia oh, Julia Tina oh, S. I heard, I, I heard, okay, I heard Tina S., and then I heard Paula D., Okay. Jennifer P. 
Wait a minute. Vasa. Va- Vasa O. And there was a gentleman, I think. Wayne. Please. Yeah, Wayne. Okay, let's just stop there. I'd like to just go with five. Julia, please, it's your turn. Hi, I hope you can hear me okay. Um, this is Julia R. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. And, you know, I was that corker. I was that uh, woman sitting in a bed at 300 pounds with wrappers everywhere and angry and vicious. I mean, my husband and my kids didn't know should we approach mom's day or what? Either I was going to be this loving, kind, caring, compassionate, soccer football mom. Uh, Julia, uh, Julia, I'm sorry. I, I hear you, but you just seem so far away. Is that better? Is that oh, better? So, so much better, Julie. Okay. Thank you. So, yes, I was this, sorry. you know, angry, vicious, or isolating, or kind of mom. Nobody knew what I was going to be. You know, was I on my latest diet? Was I on the latest quest to be thin? Um, not knowing at that time that the obsession of the mind and the allergy of the body is twofold. So if I'm thin, I'm so crazy, which I've experienced that too. So then, you know, when I finally got it, I've been in Oasis since 1981, and I have two years of back-to-back weighed and measured clean abstinence as of next week. So do the math, right? There's a big gap. And yes, I've had periods of it, but it's like once I really got that message, the clear message of what I need to do and that I have to rely on a God, my creator, my whole life changed. And it was like, you know, I was ready. I was so ready to hear the message of hope. And today I am at a normal body weight. I am not this bipolar woman that my kids know. I mean, they they love and cherish me, and they don't have to worry about who's mom today. What is she going to do? My husband, God bless him, he doesn't have to worry about who am I going to wake up to? Is it going to be the loving wife or not? So every day, I am the same Julie by living in 10, 11, and 12. So I just wanted to say that, and thank you very much, Pat. And thank you, Julie R. Okay, Tina S., you're up. Thanks, Janice. Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Wow, some really great stuff, and I heard some great shares already today. And, you know, I, too, was the corker, and... You know, it's just amazing today when I see my life as how did I get here from there, and it certainly was through the 12 steps. Um, but, you know, I had come to another 12-step program in, in OA at the same time, and, um, you know, through the process, I had stayed sober for about seven years, and certainly I thought, well, this food thing's not just such, isn't such a big deal, you know. And um, so what happened for me is I came in as a compulsive eater initially, and I went to treatment, and I, and I got to diet. So And, and I, then I dieted the diet and became an anorexic. And, and through the process of the 12 steps and being in, in a fellowship where people were giving to others, you know, um, my friends got me into a treatment center. And I loved what was talked about, you know, when I was ready, you know, I was beaten to a state of reasonableness, whereas I couldn't think, you know, and for a long time my intellect was was my uh, number one go-to. Well, my my uh, brain had been starved, so I wasn't able to think. And so I was at a place that I was just doing what they told me to do. And through that process, I was ready to hear the message. And today, you know, and I loved what was shared, and today I try to give this thing away because I was so desperate at a time that somebody gave it to me. So who am I not to do this deal today for somebody else who is so desperate? And I heard somebody share about the girl in treatment, and it just, touched my heart because, you know, I was that person, and I know many people on this line were, and so today we have an opportunity 
one day at a time to do the deal and to stay absent and to live a life in recovery. So with that, I pass. Thanks. And thank you so much, Tina S. And good morning to you, Paula D. And good morning to you, Janice. Am I being heard? You are. Oh, well, isn't that wonderful? And that it is. I thank you. This would be Paula D. currently in New Hampshire, recovered by and with the grace of God. Um, I am, uh, yes, mindful of the time always. And this is what you see here, mindful of the time. I'm just going to begin with and stay just for a moment on that first sentence that we began with. But life was not easy for the two friends, just in case you thought that, okay, I'm on easy street now. No, look at what happened. Plenty of difficulties. Oh, really? Couldn't it be just difficulty? Nope. That's life. They're understanding now. Once you come out of this fog of numbing everything, you know, this is life. Presented themselves. Wow. Both saw they must keep spiritually active. They both saw it. It came together. And until you see that, there will be no true recovery. Now I want you to zip on, and I'm going to come to that last line. Said one of the visitors, and we know who those visitors are. Here we can give them a name. We're giving you a treatment for alcoholism. May I circle around that word, giving? We're giving you. See, unless you give what you've received, you don't keep it. A treatment. A treatment for alcohol. What's treatment mean? An act or manner of treating. That's what they came with. What did they come with? Their own lives, their own examples of how they were living. And you know what you see here? At least what I see here, and I'm just going to speak for myself. Two days later, a future fellow of Alcoholics Anonymous They didn't know that he was going to be a future member. It didn't matter. They they must do what they must do. It becomes such a part of their lives. There was no other living. And yet all living inclusive here. That's the word we hear over and over again in everything you do. It is almost like an unconscious thing. And you're not even scanning it comes to you, and then you're ready to give. You know, as we read here, and I'm zeroing in on my time, I'm realizing what a part of life it becomes. What a part of life it becomes. Whether you're in the grocery store, and believe me, you will meet. You will meet. But this part here, we're giving. We're giving you a treatment for alcoholism. We're giving you a treatment for compulsive overeating. It's always in the giving, and they're the receiving, and they're the stabilizing, and they're, oh, what was that word? Spiritually active. Honey, there is no spirituality unless you're active. Thank you for allowing me to share. It was a treat to be here talking about treatments. Thank you again. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula D. Vasa, oh, it's your turn. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Janice, for your service. And I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And um, again, I've shared this so many times. Uh, this program has been a gift for me. It's just amazing. You know, I I had the gift of desperation. What can I say, you know? Uh, and the solution was right here for me. My sponsor said, just read, 
read the book, you know. And uh, I was just so amazed after trying to put the food down for so long, so many years, gaining and losing, gaining. I mean, I know people say they were 400 pounds or, four, or 500 or whatever when they came to this program. Well, with all the weight I had lost and gained and lost and gained for years, you know, I just could not keep it off. I could lose it off and on, but I could never keep it off. But anyways, what I heard in, you know, my sponsor said, at the beginning, it seems like it was so important. She gave me the foundation, the beginning, you know, and that has really stuck in my head, you know. And she said, we have to give it away. In order to keep what we have, we have to give it away. And, uh, you know, she said, you don't have to wait till you finish all the 12 steps to give it away. You can share your experience, strength, and hope up to the level where you are today, you know. Of course, it is much better to go through the 12 steps and to study the steps, you know. But, again, you know, I think I was so desperate. I said, I, I will give it away. Whatever you tell me, I'll do, you know. And in the in the paragraph before this, we read, you know, um, but life was not easy for the two friends. Plenty of different persons. You know, I thought when I came in the program, I had you know, my abstinence, and I was developing a relationship with my higher power, and I thought, my life is just going to be perfect now, you know. Well, the worst things has happened to me since I came to the program, you know, and it's just dealing with life as life represents, you know. But again, you know, I'm so grateful. I have people in my life, in my program, even without the program, you know, Christians people, um, you know, even people that are not in recovery, you know. I can go, you know, with whatever we go through life. It doesn't have to be with just the food, you know, with anything, how I can be supportive, how I can be compassionate. But I can mostly, you know, help people with the food addiction because that's what I suffered from. And I, you know, again, you know, it's um, my sponsor, we don't, it's, you know, it's a daily reprieve. To me, it's so easy today. You know, one day at a time, it's nothing. Years ago, one meal from one time to the next one was so hard. And today, it's like a way of life. And I love to give what I have received in this program. It's it's amazing. My life is so changed. And my husband didn't know who he was going to find when he came home at nighttime. Or my kids from school, you know. I'll, um, thank you. I'll just wrap it up. You know, I was controlled by emotions, too. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Okay, Wayne C., it's your turn. Hi, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Um, yeah, I I like the, so where is it, uh, the, well, this guy, right, he's in the he's in the bed, and, uh, you know, I got, what is it, 75 days of back-to-back, Abstinence, which is great, right? I mean, without that, there's no, there's no, no, no recovery, no survival, no abstinence, whatever. And so, um, but you know, I'm, I love what the closing comment from the last speaker said. I was controlled by emotions, and I think I'm actually not too far from this bed, right? That this guy is Bill, Bill D. So I started with somebody to do the uh, work, uh, the steps, rather. Um, and so, but I'm <laughs> controlled by my emotions, eh? and so I'm still, 
uh, you know, in essence, um, what is that? Um, like a dry, a dry drunk. So, um, you know, although I'm, you know, I've, I've gotten out of the bed, I suppose I've, I've, I've went and sat in the waiting room, you know, in some respects, or I'm at the nurses. How do you say that the nurses? Or maybe I'm gone for coffee with Bill and Bob, right? And we're on our second or third sit down. But so I'm sitting there, you know, and like <laughs> sweating out the boo or whatever, sweating out the, you know, somewhat a little bit of space between me and the food. But I'm, you know, I'm still kind of crazy. And, I mean, crazy is, you know, I mean that in, a, you know, in a nice way. Uh, uh, but our, our, you know, untreated alcoholics, uh, crazy nice, probably not, right? But, uh, you know, you know, so... You know, or specifically, I'm still ruled by, you know, resentment, fears, you know, which I'm guessing it took some time for Bill B and for most of those that followed number three, you know, four, five, six, and seven to get through those uh, resentments, those fears, whatever. Because they, you know, I suspect they would have been, they would have ruled, ruled, uh, you know, their lives um, for the most, because that's why. I eat, right? That's why they drank. That's why I drank. Is my insides, you know, I I couldn't look in the mirror, you know. So, anyways, um, I I like this analogy, um, and I can identify that I'm still in treatment, receiving treatment. Uh, hopefully, uh, time will tell. But I'm grateful for you guys that you're here, uh, and I'll pass next. Mm. And thank you, Wayne C. Okay, I'm going to open it up. We still have Charles time. H. Oh, Charles H. Okay. Reva P. Reva P. Anybody else? Laura Is it Mara? Mara Z. Next. No, it's Laura Leslie W. Oh, hold on a minute, Leslie. She didn't understand me. It's oh, Laura. Okay, Laura. <laughs> All right, let's go. Who's uh, who's to be? Go ahead. It's Laura, and then G like giraffe. Okay, Laura G. Next. Was that Mara? No. Who's there? who was after Laura? Please. I think it was me, Leslie W. Yes, Leslie. Thank you so okay. much. And I'll t- take Sorry, one more. Laura. No problem. One more. Let's do Charles H. Charles H. It's your turn. Janice, thank you for your your beautiful uh, love and service. I really appreciate you. Um, so I want to drill down where it says two days later, a future fellow of Alcoholics Anonymous stared ghastly at the stranger beside his bed. Um. There might be somebody on the line that's like, man, I don't know what they're talking about. How, how can they do this? And, you know, it, it's nothing like a, a belly full of big book and a head, head full of stuff. Um, you know, Bill D., you know, this Chapter 11 where, where they're trying to describe right now, and I, and I just want to clear something up. Look at, look at the literature. Dr. Bobby did say it in the literature that um, he, he struggled with his, with, with uh with his recovery for two and a half years. If you think I'm lying, check Dr. Bob's name. And, and that's all I'm going to say on that. But Bill D., um, eight, 
eight times, eight eight sanitariums in the last six months. And this 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 is just to show you. This is the vision that no matter how far down the scale, anybody can recover. Um, we don't have the the power to make you recover, um, but we could be a beacon, right? And this guy was ready, man. He told his wife after three days, man, get my fetch it. What he said, he's so funny. You gotta listen to him. Um, his his speaking. He's a comedian, but he said, "Honey, get my clothes. We out of here." And he's recovered. He almost won the race. And you could you could you could read the story in your own time. But the message I'm getting is, no matter how far down the scale you are, you can recover if you're ready. And you know we can't force this on nobody. And and you know, yeah, you might know the big book and all that, but maybe the person ain't ready to hear what you're talking about. And and maybe the person don't want to hear you shove the big book down their throat. Because the throat is not too big. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, we got to do this from a from an angle of love. Doesn't KJ4 say love and is our tolerance and patience and tolerance and all that good stuff? Like, you don't know. Like, I've been working with this guy for, you know, a while, and he wasn't ready to do it. And, and you know, he know the light is on and the door is open because he, he was Bill D, and I was Bill D, too. I think everybody could identify with a little Bill D in their life because we don't know who's going to get it. You know, you, you be careful because that dude, that Bill D, might sponsor your ass if, you, if, if you're lucky. So with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. I'll pass. <laughs> and thank you so much, Charles H. Reva P., it's your turn. Good morning. It's Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. I wanted to share on something um, where it speaks to me, the use of spiritual principles in these cases was not so well understood as it is now. And I guess I have a question to myself um, based on this phrase, because, you know, if I understand from reading the book um, that I have a twofold illness, physical allergy and a mental twist that convinces me that the best solution to all my problems is to pick up the substance that kills me, you know, the physical allergy I can put down the food for a limited amount of time, but to address that mental obsession and that mental twist and my insane thinking, I need a power, or it says that I need a power greater than myself. So I guess my question is, are spiritual principles in cases of the real corkers like me, is it really understood even now in our OA meetings? Because a lot of... um, what I see is a lot of focus is on the number of days. Um, and I know in one meeting, you know, we honor it. We give like little chips and whatever, um, like little key tags because you have a certain number of days. Is that the treatment for this disease? Um, and even food plans and all that stuff. Um, if if the, the second part of the solution is to have a transformation in thinking so I can think differently, act differently, and access a power that can do for me what I could never do for myself, um, myself um, that's very different than abstinence only. So, you know, life has not been easy for me this past week. And as, you know, personally, I can focus on the to-do things and, and the externals, like number of days of abstinence. But it says, what do these guys do when life is not easy? They don't get, sit there and analyze their problems. They don't go and have a good think about it. They don't try to figure out a plan to every single problem and make a schedule. They immediately go 
and get active in the spiritual uh, work and you know, helping somebody else, working through my stuff so I can access my higher power, taking calls um, these past few days from newcomers. Like, that is such a paradox still for me, but that is the treatment. That's how it works. So it's um, a twofold illness. And, you know, to ask myself personally and also at the meetings, am I really understanding that the use of spiritual principles in cases for real compulsive overeaters, do I really understand that that is, you know, the way out of this disease? With that, I pass. And thank you so much, Reva P. Okay, if we could uh, take two-minute shares, approximately Laura G., and then followed by Leslie W. Thanks. This is Laura G., uh, gratefully learning how to be a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I wanted to talk about the sentence where he says, um, or where I just want to have a, the visual that I see them all sitting, or not the two standing and the, and, and the fellow in the bed. It makes me think of our meeting sometimes and um, just really focusing in on the fact that the newcomer, the newcomer, I, and I keep reminding myself, and I want to keep reminding myself every day because it is drawing me closer and closer to that spiritual awakening and those experiences that just keep extrapolating over and over and over. And I can see him in his bed thinking, great, great, like what's going to happen next? When is this going to happen? Or just some type of, you know, possibility trying to identify. I'm trying to identify really getting close to the awakening, the experience, which is what is so hard to draw to when you're still in it, when you're still doing the escape. Would it, would it be the emotions? Would it, it, whatever your addiction is. Because emotions can be addictive too. They're stimulating. They're exciting. You want to just, well, this is me. From my experience. Sometimes even the emotion. It's so exciting to me to feel this new feeling that I may recover, that I actually may recover from this. I can see those two standing there looking at him saying, you know what? (laughs) It's going to happen. Don't give up. (laughs) Thank you so much for letting me share. And thank you for the timing. Okay, Leslie W., you're going to finish it up for us, please. All right. Hey, Janice and this is Leslie W. in Tennessee recovering. I'm so grateful to be on this line, and thank you so much for your service. Um, I just wanted to say very quickly that when I'm reading this paragraph, it reminds me that this is a life or death illness. I think that compulsive overeating is, is a lot of times, especially where I live, and I don't know about where you live, but it's, it's a socially acceptable uh, addiction. I grew up with it. I watched my grandmother die from it at the age of 64. I watched my aunt die from it also at the age of 64 in a nursing facility, struggling to uh, breathe. And it's um, it's sobering to me this morning to to look at this because I realize that my own recovery is essential to be to be able to reach across that. Um, that ravine to the other compulsive overeater out there and to say, hey, I'm, I'm recovered from this. There's hope. Um, and, and let me tell you my experience. And I've often wondered, what is my purpose in life? Well, maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe, maybe God has given me 
this program to be able to um, not only recover myself and give my family and myself a better life, but to also also reach across to those who, who can't see, who don't have it, who don't have that program where they live, um, don't have those tools of recovery. And so I know that my own program is essential. It's life or death to be able to do that. So I'm, I'm thankful today to be on this call. Thank you so much, and I pass. And thank you, Leslie W., and I thank everyone that shared a great meeting and those that were listening. Um, please join us for the second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Judy S. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Judy? Good morning. This is Judy S., a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come, if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.